Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Arsenal Beat, the only Arsenal podcast which brings together the journalists and reporters who cover the club on a regular basis. I'm Molly Hudson from The Times and today I'm joined by The Guardian's Susie Rapp and Art de Rocher from The Athletic. Arsenal returned to winning ways with a comfortable 4-0 win over Aston Villa on Sunday afternoon, but does it ease the pressure on manager Joe Montemoro? Susie, you were at the game on Sunday. What did you make of the Arsenal performance and particularly how important was that opening goal that seemed to really give Arsenal confidence? Yeah, I think the longer the game went on, the closer we got to that 60-minute mark when finally opens opened the scoring, um, you could sort of feel the pressure building a little bit. You know, so, like there was so much domination of the game. Joe said afterwards that uh, he felt like it was coming. He was completely relaxed at half-time, that um, he just needed to tweak a tiny, like a few things. But like it felt, it felt like, like, when you're there, it, it sort of you can feel when a game feels a little bit tense as there's no goal, and it it, you, it had that feeling to it. Um, I think that first goal, and particularly Viv scoring it when she's had, by her standards, a little bit of a drive spell, um, really really mattered um, because it's been so long since Arsenal have like played a consistent run of games and haven't actually won one in 2021. So to have that like multiple ducks off their backs in terms of Viv getting a goal, uh, four different goal scorers on, on the uh, on the day um, and the first win of 2021 all out of the way sort of feels like a little bit of a page turn. You know, Dubai Gate is gone. The dry run is gone. Viv is scoring again. It's, you know, this is new, re- rejuvenated Arsenal. Um, and I thought the four... I say four, there was like about six or seven substitutions um, in that second half. A lot of rotation um, sort of showed that things are looking a little bit brighter. That there's a bit more depth there, that they've got the ability to rest players. That that, that break, whilst not ideal, where they only had those three or four games, um, was not ideal from a playing point of view, but from a in terms of bringing person like people back to the table was really, really important. And obviously there has has been um, quite a lot of pressure on Joe. I know, Art, you've written about the sort of stuttering start they've had to 2021 with various issues that Susie sort of touched on there. Um, what, what has that sort of period been like for Arsenal and do you think they're, they're through the worst of it now? Yeah, hopefully for Joe Montemarro's sake, I'd say that. But uh, I think what's really important to remember about that period is just how little resources he had as a him and his coaching staff had in terms of a player's point of view I know Susie touched on it as maybe a positive for uh, the games that were rescheduled now they they will have a stronger squad but um, when you see how Joe Montemore likes to play he's very particular with uh, his playing style obviously other managers in the league are quite different from that when uh, we spoke to Emma Hayes, for instance, after the Chelsea game. She, she was talking about how she likes to change things almost four or five times in a single game, whereas Joe Montemore can't really do that if um, his his way of playing is so uh, specific and then take into account the players that he, he can't call upon to, to, to um, see that through. And I think uh, I wasn't at the game yesterday, but I did get, get to catch the highlights and... Uh, 
even in the chances that Arsenal had where they didn't score, uh, I think the main difference is just how many bodies they're, they're able to get forward now, where you're looking at the that point in the season where uh, they're playing almost <laughs> every two weeks uh, with all the games being called off. And the only real support for Miedemar up front was Jill Raw. And, and now you've got Jordan Nobbs coming in, uh, Daniel van der Donk is getting a bit higher up the pitch because they're not having to rely on on mistakes from opposition like they did against Manchester City and Chelsea. And I think um, although pressure has probably eased at this point because of um, the result and the manner of the result, uh, that game that game against Manchester United in a couple of weeks, it, it does feel like it's going to be a big one. And Susie, how, how much pressure really was there on Joe and uh, and from your point of view how much do we have to look at sort of the landscape of that pressure the, the fact that there has been injuries the fact there's been games cancelled and all of this sort of thing uh, how much of that should we take into consideration when when we discuss Joe's future yeah it's hard isn't it because I, I always like think of it in the context of uh of Wenger and you know this clamoring for a manager to go um and the grass is greener sort of outlook on things that, you know, a new manager is going to change things and, and make things better. And I don't think that's necessarily always the case as we've sort of seen in the post Wenger years, as you said, like post Ferguson, etc. Like it's, it's not necessarily the manager that is the problem. Obviously Joe has made mistakes. Like he's made tactical errors that he's admitted to in big parts. The Chelsea home game, um, like was a massive one. He played way too narrow when the strength was on the wings in all of the previous uh, games against the the, the biggest uh, clubs. Um, and he, you know, he held his hands up after that game and said, "I really messed that up." Um, so he has made mistakes, but for me, like there's there's more that there's more going on at Arsenal. Um, you're seeing that on the men's side. You know, there's been there were huge job cuts over the summer. Uh, even Gunnarsaurus being sacked. Um, and it, it does feel almost a little bit like everything is being sacrificed for the sake of the men's first team. That's the only thing that is sort of ring-fenced and protected. Now, like I'm speculating there uh, as to the extent of to which it's affecting the um, uh, the Arsenal women's side, but the, the Arsenal have missed out on some key signings, uh, players that they were interested in, like Manu Ibuchi, um, which Joe confirmed, um, after uh, or before the, uh, the the game on the weekend, who was then signed by Villa, um, and whilst there were some logistical problems there, um, you know, I'm, she's not the first player that Arsenal missed out on that they wanted. So I, I think it it, uh, it is, you know, uh, as Art says, like a lot of um, pressure is on the style of play and how they play, and finding the players that fit that. And then having a starting eleven that is really, really wedded to that, um, and Joe is very committed to that formula. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think a change of manager will necessarily alleviate the all all of the issues at Arsenal. I don't think it will it will completely clear things up. That said, whenever there's a managerial changeover, you can get a little kind of new manager boost and stuff. Um, Aston Villa is a lower table team. Um, they've got great ambitions. The signing of Bucci is like huge and speaks to their ambition, but they are a bottom table team. Um, 
as Art says, that, that Man United game in a couple of weeks' time is going to be huge. And I thought that, um, Art's point on the, the service to Viv was really interesting as well because uh, um, on Sunday, it, at times, it looked like Arsenal playing with back two. Like, literally, it was just Leo Williamson and Jen Beattie back there, occasionally interchanging with one of uh with Leah Walty as like Williamson would go gallivanting forward as she does. But McCabe and Maritz at wide were literally kind of camped in the villa half themselves. So you had essentially four wingers uh providing into Viv. It was like get the ball into into the box. Um and that was gonna pay off eventually. I think that's maybe why Joe was was so confident after the game at half as he said at half time. Um but against the likes of Man United is a much, much bigger question, isn't it? So um, it's a tactic that played off against Villa um, and, you know, Arsenal look really, really good. But uh, whether it can keep the pressure off by working in further games is, a, is like a much bigger question. And Arsenal currently sit fourth in the Women's Super League table, six points behind Manchester United, but with a game in hand. And they also have to face United, as both of you have touched upon. They need to make it into the top three the first time this year in the Women's Super League. There's been three teams to qualify for the Champions League. How crucial is that for them going forward, whether that's Joe's future or Arsenal's future? I think it's massive when you think of Arsenal in terms of uh, in the past, 20 years, of course, they've had more competition in recent times with uh, Manchester City and Chelsea. But over that time period, they've been synonymous with the Women's Champions League, of course, winning it back in 2007, but also just the presence they've had in that competition since then. And I think what really didn't help this season was the fact that it was carried over, even though uh, they obviously would have wanted to go further in that campaign almost having that, the Conti Cup, the FA Cup being carried over as well, that had a real impact on what happened uh, early this season. And then when you look at how um, they acted in the summer compared to their rivals, I think uh, Manchester United, Chelsea and uh, Manchester City all kind of brought in uh, big, big signings like, wow, they were able to bring those guys in. Whereas with Arsenal, although their signings were, were good, they're not bad by any stretch of the imagination. It felt like it was just more to do with squad management. And of course, with the way injuries have gone, where uh, I know you guys have touched on it before, where um, Arsenal have tried to assess like what's behind those injuries. But there's you can't hide from the fact that those injuries did occur. You're, you just see the impact of not being able to compete on that front. And I think if if they're not able to, to get the financial resources that come with that Champions League football, they could um, be hurt by it. And when you look at the current state of affairs, I think that they still, they obviously still have a chance to, to get Champions League football, but uh, Birmingham City is not going to be an easy game. We've seen how they've, I remember in their title winning season, obviously it's a different team now, but nil-nil um, to really late in the second half and then uh, Katie McCabe comes up with the goal. And of course that helps with the uh, title winning campaign. But again, they're going to have to get through that before they play Manchester United. And I think um, it's just going to be an, another big uh, couple of games before uh, the uh, end of season running. 
And Art touched on it there, Susie, about the, the players that are at the club at the moment. If you look at, for example, Leah Williamson, who's coming to the end of her contract, um, Joe is pretty decided that she's going to stay. Um, just it sounds like a moment, uh, sort of moment in time until that is announced. But obviously, players like Vivian Miedemar also are coming to the ends of their contracts, looking whether or not they'll extend or go elsewhere. How important is it for the players of that stature, the, the Williamsons and the Miedemar, some of the very best in the world, to for, for them to not play in the Champions League? It, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't feel right, would it? No, it'd be awful. I mean, well, the thing with Leah is she's she's so Arsenal through and through that it, it'd be very, very hard for her to leave Arsenal. I think she'd always, regardless of the situation the club is in, I think she's always going to fight for that shirt and fight for the club to be in a better position. But obviously not every player has that um, that that degree of like personal passionate loyalty to a team, regardless of whether they, they like the club or not. You know, like Vivian Meerdema clearly likes Arsenal a lot. You know, she clearly enjoys playing for Arsenal, enjoys the style of football. But, you know, when... Um, you know, you're one of the best players in the world that is almost always overlooked for some of the biggest prizes in the world. Um, and then you have the possibility of not playing in the Champions League on top of that. That is obviously going to um, affect the way you view um, where you should be and what you're doing. Um, you know, if if teams like Leon are coming in for her, they're going to be off, able to offer significantly more money than, than Arsenal are. And that... that, that has a big knock-on effect for Arsenal because a they either start to match the ambitions of the biggest teams in the in the league and in the world and go boom here you go Viv massive contract that then has a knock-on effect across players um, across the rest of the team and the contracts that they offer to them um, so you know that's a big like um, ideological sort of commitment to to the team and investment and taking the investment up a level you know coasting isn't enough anymore they've got to start raising the game a little bit and that's a decision they've sort of got to make um, and then if they sell Viv then what what happens because um, competing with us uh, with Chelsea and City and United is only going to get harder if that is the case like you fall away from those those pack at the top and it's going to be really really hard to get back there so it's it's whether you're willing to sacrifice that or not and that's the that's the decision I think that the, the club have um Viv it, you know was last season was joint Champions League top scorer she's not going to want to not be in that competition um and I don't think a lot of you know a lot of Arsenal's best players will want to be missing out on that tournament and it's interesting the change of the um the value of the Champions League as well, because Arsenal have, have missed out in the Champions League a few, quite a few times in recent years, and it's it's not necessarily the biggest of deals. Like they'll they'll probably get back there, um, and the, the the prize money involved in the Champions League has been quite small, but the scale of the competition is growing. The prize money is increasing. Um, the fact that you now get free places in England, if you miss out on one of those, well like what are you doing because it was two places before and you were fighting for it and now you're missing out on the the potential third place um so there's 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 a lot of questions i think the hierarchy at arsenal need to or, or or are being confronted with that that we haven't quite seen which way it's going to go um and viv's contract is going to be a massive one that hinges on that because she's not only williamson she's not a player that is um going to fight for Arsenal regardless of what's going on she is going to think about what she needs from a team um, and what a team can give her as much as what she can give them 
And what what do you think? Oh, obviously, you, you talked about the fact that this past summer's transfer activity was almost sort of plugging the gaps, really increasing the, the squad depth. Um, what do you think, if they do make the Champions League, they need to do? Do you think they do need to go out and make one of these marquee signings like we've seen Manchester City, uh, Manchester United doing? Obviously, Chelsea have brought in the likes of Sam Kerr and Penilla Harder. Do you think they can still compete in this way that Joe talks about, this sort of organic building of the squad and adding players slowly? Or do you think they do need to go out and make that marquee signing? I think it'll be a mix of both. I, I do believe uh, if they were to to get Champions League football, they'd be able to attract a marquee signing because when you have uh, players like Vivian Miedemar in the squad, you're go- you're going to want you're going to attract players that want to play with her. And I think um, the the first kind of job would be to to tie her down, to tie uh, Leah Williamson down to new contracts, to just shore up the situation in terms of players that are already at the club and then try and build around that. I think last summer they recruit, they recruited smartly, but have been unlucky with the injury. So maybe that um, leaves room to, to recruit a bit more ambitiously this summer, because um, when you see how the, the season ended last year with the, the points per game uh, situation, it wasn't ideal for Arsenal because obviously they were in the top two, I believe when, when, when you look at just a points uh, basis. But um, for this summer, I, I'd probably say going down the road of the marquee signing would would suit them. Uh, it's just about finding that player that that actually fits the bill in terms of uh, the, the needs of the squad. And I think, of course, you've got uh, Beth Mead, who's a uh, striker turned winger, we'll call her, I guess. Uh, similar situation with Caitlin Ford on the left. And then you've got a, a bunch of midfielders who I c- can do almost anything, really. I feel feel that or in terms of the WSL, the talent in that Arsenal midfield is probably one of the best in the league. Even when you put it up against Manchester United, Chelsea and uh, Manchester City. But Again, it's just Joe Montevideo's decision to decide where he feels the team needs to be uh, built uh, most or where he feels that they they are missing that proper quality most. And it's, it's going to be a difficult one to, to decide, I think, because there is unrivaled unrivaled maybe maybe too, too strong a word, but there is definite quality across the squad. Maybe if you're looking at where... Um, where there is room, maybe uh, left back, because obviously uh, Kate McCabe's been playing there for the past couple of seasons. She's not a natural left back, even though she's probably uh, one of the best left backs in the league playing there currently. Um, maybe if you want to play her further upfield, then, then that's an area. But again, it, it, it comes down to what... Um, what Joe Montemurro feels is the best way forward. And what one thing that... Um, He's spoken about at length. I remember a couple of months ago, Arsenal obviously did their own in-house kind of talk with him where he he spoke for about, I think, was it 20 minutes? Something like that about succession planning. And uh, it, it was really, if whoever's listening to this, if you haven't listened to that, I, I recommend you do because um, the way he talks about it, it's very, he thinks a lot about, 
the future. And I think um, that the way he, he probably, he, he has probably set out what he wants to do in the summer already, I think. And it'll be interesting to see how um, the dominoes fall uh, this year. And I think just touching on what you were saying there about left back, it's just, it's been a, a sort of symptom of their season where Joe tried to bring in, you know, the likes of Maritz, Steph Catley, for example, to kind of help Lisa Evans and Katie McCabe maybe play more in the forward areas. And then both Maritz and Catley have been basically injured the entire season. Um, Maritz played really well at the weekend. And, you know, it's one of those where you look at the signings that Joe's brought in and, you can't really think of one that hasn't been good when they play. The problem is they just haven't played because they haven't been fit. And we were talking there about new signings and the, the potential for, for next season to bolster the squad. One player that feels like a new signing is, is Jordan Nobbs. She's obviously suffered with, with injury problems this season um, and was, was back to some of her best on Sunday, Susie, what, what did you make of her performance and how important is she for Arsenal? Do you think we almost maybe look at some of the, the, the midfielders that have come into the league this season and maybe Jordan Nobbs is still quite underrated? Definitely. She's the, uh, she's the Fran Kirby of Arsenal, isn't it? Like, I think I saw you tweet, actually, that um, that's like one of the saddest things is that England's two best, most creative players have never had decent stretches without injury um and like yeah Frank Kirby's getting the praise now Jordan Nobbs is only just sort of coming back to her full fitness um and it's like it's as great to see her return um and be playing well um and she was brilliant uh she was just like looked the sharpest that I've seen her look in quite a long time I think she might have benefited from fewer games and a bit of time to work on the training pitch and stuff like a the thing is, is obviously game time is important, but I don't think you can underestimate the power of uh, a little bit of a break and just being able to focus on your craft and stuff. You know, I was chatting to Mary Earps last week and she was obviously gutted to be missed out on um, this re- most recent England camp. But she was like, it's given like on, on the flip side, it's given me some really, really great time on the training pitch um, to really focus on the things that I want to focus on where like there's less people around. So I've been able to really like, pick what I want to do and I think that's that's really important so I think she's probably benefited from this this sort of little piece of time out I mean she's key to Arsenal when she got injured for uh before the World Cup when she did her ACL uh, I was at that game and you could hear her scream from the stands I've said it before it's just awful um up at Everton and um but you know second she got injured I was like that's it England's chances to the World Cup are over I mean that's the level of um level of like quality uh and excitement that she brings to to games in an england shirt and in an arsenal shirt so if she can string together a decent run um going into the the back end of this season then there's no reason why arsenal can't um win every game they've got left the the they've got the small games but arsenal have a insanely good record against teams outside the top four like uh, better than any of the other sides. So even though Man United and Chelsea have slipped up against Reading and Brighton and things, Arsenal generally's record against all of those teams is really, really good. So in theory, like if any team is going to say that they're going to walk through those those kind of games, then you know Arsenal kind of have the evidence to back it up. But that that game against Man United in a couple of weeks' time is 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 critical because they have struggled so much against teams that. 
that go at them um, and really, really put pressure on them and can uh, dominate possession as well as as well as they can and can punish them on the break. Um, so that's that is the biggest test. And there's a couple of players in the Arsenal squad um, that maybe had their eye on Team GB places. I mean, if you go back this time last year, maybe even Lisa Evans might have had a decent shout as a utility player, certainly. Um, with everything that's happened with England, so much change in coaching staff and, and everything else, it, it appears that the GB team will be quite heavily England-focused. And I just wonder how, well, I guess, Art, would, would you take Jordan Nobbs? Would she be on the plane to Tokyo if, if you were Team GB manager? Oh, it's, a, it's a difficult question. I think, obviously, quality-wise, 100%, because when you... I know everyone likes to kind of rave about what she does with the ball, but I think what she does without the ball goes quite underappreciated at times, because when, when you think back to that... Um, time where she got her first uh, ACL injury, as Susie mentioned, against Everton. She was unplayable, yes, because of um, the goals she was scoring, the assists she was given, but also because uh, at that time, one thing that was very apparent with Arsenal, Joe Montemurro's Arsenal at that time, was how they controlled games both with and without the ball, and she was very key to that press at that time. I remember, I think, uh, a lot of times she would, be as high as Miedemar was when Arsenal were pressing teams and I don't think that probably got highlighted enough when, when she dropped out of the side um, the only thing that gives me reservations is uh, so if, if I was Team GB manager I'd say yes but if I was Joe Montemore I'd hope uh, <laughs> I'd hope that that wasn't the case because as Susie mentioned with, uh, with Earps that time is crucial with having that time to just let your body kind of reset. And I think obviously uh, it's a completely different situation, but obviously you spoke to Joe about Beth Mead last week and uh, about initially missing out on the England call up. And he said, Oh, well, it was kind of a, a good thing at start at, at first because um, she had more time at Arsenal to work on a few things. And then obviously she she got she got into the team afterwards. But I think um, in terms of just um, the bigger picture, um, I, I may err on the side of leaving her out of the squad just to kind of preserve that that career for a bit longer. In terms of just looking at the the um, immediate gains that she could bring to the team, I know uh, as fans looking from the outside that may not be the the popular decision but I, I think that that would probably be the one I'd go for yeah I agree with you there it's so so difficult because it is sort of balancing how brilliant Jordan is and what she could bring to the team but also it's you've only got 18 players if you take someone like Jordan that, that maybe is a little bit injury prone or has been recently and then she gets injured Suddenly, that, that's sort of a big hole in such a small squad. But at the same time, on a personal view, she's just missed out on so many big tournaments. And it would it must be so devastating to consider that she would miss out on this one as well. So um, hopefully for Arsenal's sake and for her sake, she can get a good run in the team in the coming months, um, finish the season off really well. 
And actually, maybe that will, will go some way to determining, determining whether they do get Champions League uh, qualification or not, if they can keep players like Jordan fit. That concludes another episode of the Arsenal Beat. We'll be back later this week to look ahead to Arsenal's trip to Burnley on Saturday. But until then, stay safe.